This podcast is not safe for work and will feature movie spoilers. It will feature scenes described of a graphic nature. It will contain language which most listeners may find offensive. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. This is episode 410. I'm your host Duncan McLeish. Welcome to the show. Up on this episode we are concluding our five-part Russian Roulette franchise retro on the Hannibal Lecter series of movies. Concluding here with the most unlikely of likely prequels, Hannibal Rising. Myself, and my guest, Dern Wilson, will be coming up after the first break to talk mad shit about that movie. Before we get to that, as always, let's catch up with where we are under the stairs. Tons happening, slight change of the shows. The order has slightly shifted from what was originally advertised at the start of the week, but you're still getting them all, just in a different order. Some would say a more logical order. So, what is left for you before the end of October? Because it's just round the corner. Our month has almost gone. For about a month and a half now, it's been Christmas songs and stuff being slowly put out on supermarket shelves. But we've been holding on. We've been holding on tight to the pant leg of Halloween. And it's, uh, it's almost pulled away. On tomorrow, which is Saturday, you will be getting my mini reviews of the Guillermo del Toro produced curated cabinet of curiosities all the episodes which marked my 31 of october's 25 through 28 so eight mini reviews coming fyi that show has been the tits um and then on sunday 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 you are getting my exclusive i was gonna say exclusive review it's exclusive to podcasts under the stairs in that i'm doing it I'm sure other people have already reviewed it, which makes it not exclusive, but fuck those guys. I can say exclusive, even if I don't mean it. But I'm reviewing Something in the Dirt. That is the brand new movie from Benson and Moorhead. Two directors that, you know what, fucking love them. Looking forward to checking this one out. That movie is released next week, I believe. And uh, yeah, the, our review will be dropping on Sunday. Then... On Monday, the 31st, by the way, that's Halloween, you're getting Bazoween, the final episode of this series. We're looking at Luz, the flower of evil, for our jaunt around the globe doing folk horror cinema, this time stopping at our final stop, which is South America. And we're pairing it up with, yep, you guessed it, Phantasm V, Ravenger. Yeah, I, I don't know where we're going to go. The last movie got a fuck this movie from Baz. We don't have a grade below that, so I'm I'm super curious to find out what the man, the myth, the legend, the Baz made of that. There is nothing coming from the Teapots Collective this week. So, well, I say nothing this week. There was something that came out on Monday, but nothing since. And uh, we should be returning next week with an episode of Opera Omnia looking at Annihilation, the second of the three movies from Alex Garland, myself, and my special resident guest host, uh, one Mr. JP 
we'll be doing that together. So yeah, that is you all up to date, ladies and gents, which means we now have to get on with this shit show and do a little bit of Hannibal Rising. It is worth also saying that the next Russian Roulette franchise retro is being planned. It's in scope right now. We're doing all nine movies in the Bad Ben franchise because, you know, I like to pick terrible franchises to close out every year. So, yeah, that is my gift, my early Christmas gift from me to you. Let's get down and dirty on this review, shall we? I'm going to take a very short break just now. You're going to hear promos for shows that I love. You're going to hear the trailer for Hannibal Rising. When I return, myself and my guest, Darren Wilson, We'll be reviewing that movie, and we're doing it right after this. This is a test of the emergency podcasting system. Listen to the Psychosemantic Podcast. Politics, movies, and political movies. Find us on Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher, legionpodcasts.com the Psychosemantic Podcast. Is your name Hannibal Lecter? Recall the events that led to your family's murder. The little boy Hannibal died out in that snow. He was raised in a work camp. Let's hear you scream, little master. What he is now, there's no word for it. Do you have any guilty knowledge of the death of Paul Mormon? Guilty knowledge? I found them. The men who killed my family. He was killed in the woods where your family died. His face had been eaten. Now tell me, Inspector. You lost family in the war? Yes. Did you catch who did it? No. Then we are both suspects. He's tracking them down one by one. If they catch Hannibal, they'll shoot him. Stop now. Forgive them. Never. Good evening, Inspector. And welcome back, ladies and gents. So we've reached the end, the end of the road. Yes, I know you're sad. I'm not because the quality has been dipping. And uh, we've reached 
arguably the bottom of the barrel. I will find out if that is the case at the very end of this episode when I order them. But this is the final movie in our Russian Roulette franchise retro, looking at the Hannibal Lecter movies. And we've ended up at the inevitable prequel. I mean, it was always going to happen. There's some interesting trivia inf information about it, which will be coming up later on in the episode. But... The unlucky fellow who had his name drawn out, I felt so sorry for him because I think he may be the first person to nominate himself. Like, if you're doing this, I want part of it. And I was like, cool. Mm -hmm. Fingers crossed. It is, of course, my good buddy, Mr. Dern Wilson. How's it going, Dern? It, uh, generally speaking, I'm doing well. Um, it's always great to talk to you, no matter the quality of the movie. <laughs> Good save. Um, so, are, are you coming back for the Bad Ben series, or? I don't know. I've not had a I've not had a good streak of luck. I'm trying to remember. What, if there's a good what, one. Yeah, I don't I, think so. You know, there and there's the odds. The odds are so so poor. Yeah. Because there's what nine or ten nine of them, of them or, I believe. Yeah. Nine. Yeah. So this one, I was like, okay. I kind of I, I like two of these at least mm. uh, that and uh, and I'm okay with some others. Yeah, I read there's two. There's two the bona fide, well, not masterpieces, but there's two bona fide up there, legit fucking awesome movies. The and first then, two. Yeah. So I mean, there's two out of five. I mean, that's good odds. Yeah, I was like, fuck yeah, I'm gonna get my name in there. <laughs> And, you know, I read all the books over the summer, except for this one. I tried. I, uh, yeah, I really this is tried. the only book I've not done either. Um, I've done all the other books for, for well, I've done the preceding three books, but I never, I couldn't. I saw the movie first. And then, I mean, it's Tom Harris. Like, he wrote the script for this. So this isn't like an adaptation. He wrote the book and the script. So I think it's they must be fault. there or thereabouts the same. And I can't imagine how this would read because <laughs> like, if it's like how it's viewed i don't want to do that <laughs> so. yeah i i got a few chapters in i was like oh my god it's even the book is even slower yeah <sighs> oh well something listen it's called the russian roulette franchise retro for a reason if right all the movies were great there'd be no point in doing it so someone There's gotta has to be some bullets in the chamber. Yeah, There's gotta has, be some bullets in the chamber. Yeah, someone has to inevitably get the bad movie, and that would be you, Dern. And we're we're here to discuss it. Now I'm sure there's someone out there that likes this movie. There must be. Sure. But yeah. not for me. I guess I'll just say, yeah. <laughs> this is all my my opinion. You know, I've been ratcheting up. I think when we first started, when I didn't like a movie, I was very middle childish like, well you know if you think about it the the cup the the poster's kind of cool yeah or some shit like that but yeah this is i'm weary i'm seasoned yeah that like I, I even find myself uh, as a man who like i get accused of being too positive on movies like too optimistic like like to, like and ultimately trying to find the good and everything and even even my resolve is is broken with this one i think that the, the big thing for me on this one is i realize how cynical it is out of all the movies this is the most cynically made one because 
the backstory behind this is Dino De Laurentiis, the guy who has the rights to, you know, uh, and still I believe does. The, uh, the De Laurentiis people were behind the Hannibal TV show, um, in part probably because they own the characters, but um, they own the they own the rights to Hannibal Lecter and had all but said to Tom Harris that those rights were coming up at a certain time period, so they need to make a new movie, and if he did not write it they would get someone to write it. So Tom Harris was like, oh, I can't have them messing up. This is the thing that blows my mind. Can't have them just, you know, messing up this 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 character I've created. So I, only I, the, the man who has penned the novels, can can give the, the set-up and the backstory to the complicated character of Hannibal Lecter. And um, then I see it, and I'm like that. They should have just given it to someone else. <laughs> anyway. <Right. laughs> like, Billy the I'm, copy guy. Like, did she just give it to fucking anyone? I was wondering. Uh, I thought, because I, I checked out to see um, if you were still following the usual roulette formula. I am indeed, yeah. And I had started to think when I was watching this and looking into it and how, when it was written and mm -hmm. all that other stuff, I didn't know for sure that De Laurentiis had said something like that, but it, it makes sense because <laughs> it's a very Dino that... De Laurentiis thing to do. By the way, that guy is <laughs> that guy is the consummate totally. producer. It's like that. Show me the money. Come <laughs> make money, you and guys. People have, and they've done it. People have done it before, but they don't yeah. release the movie. No, 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 no. You yeah. know, it's like that. What that Fantastic Four movie or whatever mm -hmm. the fuck. Yeah, yeah. That they made and then hid. Just yes. so they could retain the rights. Yeah, well, as long as you as long as you're doing something, it stays with you. you know what I mean, like as long as it's done, it stays with you. It doesn't have to be released. It just has to be done. You have to complete it. It's not like we did two days of shooting and then we stopped. That doesn't count. As long as it's done, it's done. And that's exactly. the bit that I just can't. The, the bit the problem is, and we've can't, we've kind of cataloged it along the entire season here is. I feel sorry in a lot of respects for Tom Harris because I think he started off with a really interesting premise and that premise was like uh, right on the cusp of the public getting an idea of behavioural science, specifically about serial killers um, and the, the extents of them and that on the cusp of that fascination he wrote a book that got made into a movie and then subsequent movies that kind of captured the interest. Very forward thinking. I, I know you could see, and I would agree uh, with me saying the thing that I'm saying, uh, which is always good, that without Manhunter, the film, and Silence of the Lambs, the movie, a TV show like Manhunter doesn't exist because people get fascinated by it. It scratched an itch that the public didn't know they had. But the problem is Tom Harris then after that point like deeply fell in love with the Hannibal Lecter character in a troublesome way. Um, by the time you reach Hannibal, it's utter fucking nonsense. Like, absolute nonsense. And that's the world he's occupying in when he goes back to give the backstory, which weirdly, like, like almost every step tries to make him the hero. And I don't want that. I didn't want it in the Hannibal movie, and I certainly don't want it here. And I think that's the issue. When that's like no one, 
that's the difficulty in doing a prequel movie to a iconic villain is that at the end of the day when it finishes the guy's a fucking villain so how do you do that like you like you have to make him sympathetic and by making him sympathetic you undermine the character like at no point when you see Hannibal Lecter in Manhunter as played by great Scotsman Brian Cox I'll always drop that in there um, at no point am I sitting there going wonder where he grew up <laughs> I wonder if he had his sister school? like <laughs> he went to the communism school for assholes so oh, dude. he should get to eat everyone it's it's just and let's remind you of all the other movies as we go yeah, well, this is this is the problem. Like, it, it clearly, it's hitting those notes, and it's going out its way to hit those notes. But it gives you everything. Like, it, there's no there's no mystery here. It gives you everything. It shows you how he became so like enamored and so well equipped about anatomy. Like we like how he became like gastronomically, you know, interested in like the, the the particular parts of the body that are edible um, the fucking scene with the mask can go and fuck itself in a pit of fire um, <laughs> dude, it's, the, it, it's up there as one of the most fuck you moments to the audience I've ever seen in a movie I mean it might as well it might as well have sex with my wife in front of me that's <laughs> that's how angry it made me feel it's, like it's just like, but like you say, it hits all those sweet, but but it leaves no, no mystique at all. There's no there's no intrigue to the character of Hannibal Lecter because it has to it has to hit all the beats all the way through. And as a result of that, it like it doesn't. I mean, it doesn't undermine Manhunter or Silence of the Lambs because I just choose to live in a world where this movie doesn't exist. So, like, this is all fantasy. This might as well just... This is the Patrick Bateman, this confession has meant nothing. <laughs> like, of the of the, of the kind of the Hannibal Lecter series. It, it's, a, it's a lot of fucking nonsense. And it's just so over the top. So, so over the top that... Yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I can't wait for people to, to really start leaning into that that uh, Jeffrey Dahmer um, series that's on on Netflix, was that, which I haven't watched yet, but I'm looking forward to the bit that his parents got blown up in a in a fire from some wayward bombs, and then he ate his sister, uh, and that's how he became a cannibal because that's apparently how you become a cannibal. You know, it can't just be that you like your brain's just not wired right, and that's what you decide to do as a power control thing. It has to be that. Some, <laughs> some fucking Russian soldiers for she your sister, uh, just <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what does the, the Japanese the stuff SS do people. in this movie, dude? Like before we go any further, what what okay. exactly out with allowing us to see the mask? What does it have in any way, shape, or form pertinence to this this movie? It's it's his knowledge of Japanese culture that makes that generally other than her thinking that Hannibal is pretty. It, she's like the Clarice in this. Like I, mm. I think you've mentioned it in a previous episode, but you know how in the end of Hannibal, spoiler alert, and him falling in love with Hannibal, yep. he's 
going to the opera in Buenos Aires with Clarice and yeah. scaring the shit out of Barney. Yeah. And stuff like that. Like, yeah, okay. Uh, it It's his wonderful Japanese girlfriend, other yeah. than she's totally cool with all the shit he does. It, I think it's his knowledge of her family's culture and him standing up to dickhead fishmongers. Yeah, because I was thinking about uh, all the all the things you could do for setup here. Of all the things you could do, realistically, this is the one that feels... Of everything in this movie, this is the, like one of the big plot points which doesn't make a lick of sense. Like, he's training in martial arts with her. Right, out with the swordmanship... Um, which he uses at one stage here, it's never mentioned again. It's never brought up. It, it has no pertinence in anything. You would think there would be a conversation in one of the earlier movies, later timelines, where he would, I don't know, quote Bushido or something, the honour code of the, the warrior, or something. Or something. Yeah. Like like the, where they'd taken this nugget of something he'd done somewhere along in one of the other movies and went, right, we need to expand out this Japanese. It's the bit that they've added in here that doesn't make sense. Now, granted, I don't know, like off the top of my head, it has been a few years since I did the books. I'm not aware of any kind of fleeting moment where Hannibal remembers something Japanese. <laughs> like, and I don't, I would be in Hannibal if it was in any book. That that's why that's that linked in there. But I don't, I don't get it. It's the out with the mask, like as a way of what the, what can we do to put a mask on him that resembles that? Oh well, samurai mask look like that. We'll do that. Um, I don't get it. I, it's, oh. it. It feels so squeezed in out of nowhere for no real purpose. It would make once again, it would make more sense if he was using ninja style tactics to you know, like, capture these people. But he's not really doing that. He's walking out of their shops, like, dinging the bell, or, you know, like, sitting in church. Yeah. Um, it's, he's not really... He's not a covert spy here or anything like that, so I don't know what it adds at all. I don't remember what in what dialect the symbol of the red dragon is that Ooh, Dollar right. Hyde carves into the tree? Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if this whole <laughs> subplot is to explain how <laughs> Hannibal knew what it was. That's a fucking stretch. <laughs> Uh, it's like you, like I, tell, I could tell right now you've been doing your yoga because that stretch pose was fucking incredible, Darren Wilson. Um, yeah, we're gonna get we're gonna get into this all. Let, let's get through the questions here. Um, let's get to the first one. This is gonna be short, unless you have a like like a thesaurus um, full of information on things that you've really enjoyed here. But what does Hannibal Rising do well? Reminds us of Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> Reminds us that there's better Reminds us that it exists. <laughs> I, like, I was thinking about this because the director is a really, 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 really good director. So, like, I don't know how he ended up with this. <laughs> Out with, you know, I don't know, like a, a new annex on my, my already very nice, like, building that I own with my family. But Peter Weber, as a director, had some chops behind him. You know, had some clout now granted he's been often done various things 
since, including was involved with the TV show Six Feet Under. I believe he did the very first episode, um, which was before this. So, you know what I mean? So Hannibal Rising comes off the back of him doing, uh, what was the movie that won all the awards? The Girl with the Pearl Earring. So, you know, it was very well acclaimed and all the rest. After doing Hannibal Rising, though, the guy hasn't really done anything of note out with a lot of TV. Um, he's kind of been like, uh, and I don't know if that's I don't know if that's Hannibal Rising's fault. I'm going to say it is because it's more fun to do it that way. But yeah, he's like a, a good director here, and some good. I mean, the cast, like Griff Siffins, um, is or sorry, Riffs I can never pronounce his name. Rice Riffs Reese. I know he's Welsh, um, so it's like made up letters over there. Um, he's really good. Like Grutas as a villain, he's a fucking great villain. Like he's really instantly dislikable. You know, like, from the moment he comes on the screen, you're like, this guy is a cunt. Um, has Richard Brake, who's obviously like done every <laughs> like everything since then, every villain role since then, including being the fucking Ice King. In Game of Thrones, um, so you know he's, he's like, yeah, yeah, that's him. That's how he's also the guy that says fuck about a hundred times in Rob Zombie's Halloween. Uh, is it the second one? <laughs> so I can't I never remember. Fuck, fuck, fuck. I fuck, think it's the fuck, second one. Fuck, 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 fuck. And you're like, right, we get the point, Rob. Fuck, fuck, fuck. So Rob's just like, I don't know what to write here. Fuck, 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 fuck. Yeah, that's a good script, Rob Zombie. Um, you know, like it has um, fucking fruity. <laughs> This is what the kids want. Um, but yeah, like, it has that. The central performance of the sadly uh, departed uh, Gaspar Ulliel, who passed away, was it last year? Young dude as well. Like, really, really, really yeah. young. Um, what this, age was well, technically this year, January. Yeah, fuck. So he's, I mean, younger than me, 1984. Uh, so he's 37. Mm. And he was about to... He'd, he'd obviously been in that Moon Knight uh, Disney thing, and that was seen by a lot of people as that he's about to go back into the kind of the mainstream, but was very very active in French cinema. Um, this comes off the back of the weirdest casting ever. Like, so up for the role of Hannibal, this guy obviously won out, but and get ready for it, Hayden Christensen was up for it. You know, like. I can't pull a face out with being upset about Padme. Um, you know I mean? Like, uh, Macaulay Culkin. Sand. Macaulay Culkin, who I would have fucking eaten up like jam on toast um, if he'd been a... Can you imagine Macaulay Culkin as a young Hannibal Lecter? I think that would work. Like, as a kind of... As a kind of... Anthony Hopkins, younger Hannibal, totally works for me because there's a, a degree camp in that. That would work very, very well. Hugh Dancy. Older who, good son. Yes, oh, good, oh, 100% with a good son. Uh, Hugh Dancy, who would go on and play Will Graham in the TV show. He was up for it. Uh, Rupert, uh, Rupert Friend was up for it. Dominic Cooper, which just wouldn't work. Um, Tom Sturridge and Tom Payne, all up for the, the, the role here. Um, which is just nuts. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like when you think of, this is the guy they settled on. And I'm not entirely sure why this is the guy they settled on, unless it's that he's so blank of personality, and this is no dig at a dead man here, but that uh, like kind of plays into the the role. I, I mean, he's fine in what he does here, but 
he's no it, like at no point here was I looking at him going that yeah if you were a bit older you'd be Brian Cox or Anthony Hopkins you know it's a it's a weird it's a weird casting choice and that's just it's just the beginning <laughs> you know what I mean but like he doesn't do a bad role but it's it kind of just it's, why it's fine it's fine that's yeah. fine it's fine it's what it is it's just very 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 strange so like I like some of the casting choices and it's shot very well I mean there's no getting around it some of the cinematography and set design is fucking great like all that stuff in the, the kind of the medical college super awesome um, the, the the stuff at the chateau and the Japanese kendo stick sparring sequence um, <laughs> is kind of cool but that's the that's the line. <laughs> like that's that's as far as my things this movie does well. I don't know if that's necessarily the movie I'm giving credit to. You know what I mean? It's a good yeah. cinematography, which goes to the cinematographer and <laughs> the villains are good, but they're established British actors that tend to be really good at playing villains. <laughs> yeah. And over the top. Come on. Like they're so mustachio twiddling villains in this it's unfucking believable um but yeah that's as far we as it goes dinner with him during the war yeah <laughs> i say as we sit on our sex trafficking boat <laughs> it's like, but like, and like if you didn't like let's put it this way let's put it this way see if you didn't it's like see if that was a part of your life that you were trying to shelf away right and like because all the trauma you went through in the war you know when you almost starved multiple times and then like that who is this lecture oh we oh yes we had dinner with him in the war i'd still be like what <laughs> like who <laughs> like who is he then i don't i don't who is he though like i don't but he's like ha, 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 and they're all like oh ho, ho, ho. Uh, like I just, f- fuck this movie man fuck it anyway right that's that's all my good i don't do you have any other goods i don't think so <laughs> uh, yeah i agree with your goods but i cannot add any any others i'm drinking to get me through this interview uh, this review by the way this is what i'm doing uh i said bad it's got right uh, let's jump to what this movie doesn't do well dan wilson what does this movie not do well then everything let's see. yeah uh all the things we said already the the failure of reminding people of better movie oh, uh for pretty much, it, it's so fucking long. Is, is this it two is the, hours long? I, I think this is right. Let's think. Let's let's work this out here. This is two hours and one minute. I think Hannibal is longer than that. I think Hannibal is over two hours. Hannibal is two hours and ten minutes. Right. So this is at least ten minutes shorter than Hannibal. Then. So let's not be un, unkind here. Silence of the Lambs is. 1 hour 58, so Silence of the Lambs is shorter, um, and there's a lot more happens than Silence of the Lambs. Uh, Red Dragon, let's not get fucking stuck, 2 hours and 4 minutes, Jesus, felt every second of that movie, man, every fucking second. Um, and then Manhunter, where is Manhunter? Somewhere about here. Manhunter is, this is this is the, the dedication that we give you on this episode here with me just manually typing in stuff. <coughs> Manhunter is 2 hours as well. Okay, you could take about half hour, 45 minutes. I'd say half hour of this and give it to a better movie. Oh. It's it's a two hour long villain monologue, basically. Yeah. 
Like, this is how I became Hannibal Lecter, let me tell you. Yeah. I, like, and, at the end of this yeah. movie, it, I had to double check this to see if there was any discrepancy between the end of the movie and the end of the book. And it turns out at the end of the book, it is pretty much emphatically stated that Hannibal drives off to go to uh, Baltimore to study medicine and thus become the serial killing psychologist that we all know and love from there. Uh, drives from Canada, uh, <laughs> just in that car, uh, and a wing and a prayer down to sunny Baltimore. Um, but like to me, the, the one of the biggest missteps here is all the European stuff. You know what I mean? It, it really, it really goes out of its way to flesh out what it was that made him a monster, without necessarily understanding that, like I said before, one audiences don't care, and two, the only way to do that is make him a sympathetic character, which this movie kind of does. Like I feel sorry for him, like throughout like a huge chunk of this movie, and I probably shouldn't. And it even ends on a kind of, well, this is the last guy that made me eat my sister. You know what I mean? It, like, it's... That, yeah. to me, is, like, a problem. The, the, the far more interesting Hannibal prequel to me would have been actually seeing him in, like, a Baltimore medical school, like, understanding that he had these... Like, why we need to set it like he's Romanian... To begin with, I don't fucking understand. Once again, I'm assuming it was mentioned in a throwaway comment in previous books. But we just need to yada, yada, yada right through the war and his time, like, as a kid and all that rest. And just get him to America, like, quick. And then go from there, like, how he studies psychology and gets a real hand for hallucinogenics and, and drugs. And how he starts manipulating his parents. And I'm, even though I would hate it, even though I, I, I hate the fact that Red Dragon finishes at the fuck you point of saying, oh, by the way, you know, Silence of the is next movie. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's the, like, the kind of, the build up to him starting to become a serial killer. Like, so not become, not actually physically becoming the Chesapeake Ripper, but, like, up to the point of him, right, I have, like, I've, I've killed, I like it. I know I like it now, um, and I can start manipulating. That's what, like, basically what I'm saying is the TV show. Like this, this should have been the TV show. Ultimately, because like the TV show nails it, like absolutely nails the the curiosity of the character. Without, and I mean the TV show. The thing is, there's the other thing. The TV show gives you all the backstory in this movie, but from an adult perspective and not shite. <laughs> Maybe that's a good thing that the movie did or its impact on the genre. Is I mean, yeah, without this, you don't have any... the show yeah. happen. Yeah, you don't have any of that stuff of them traveling, you know, once again, fleshing out, excuse the pun, um, fleshing out the, the Hannibal story by including the Hannibal story with the Red Dragon story. What's interesting about that is they managed to kind of... Um, Brundlefly and the Hannibal story and uh, and the Hannibal Rising story into like minuscule pieces that fit 
Like, we don't spend, like, three episodes getting to the background of Hannibal Lecter. It's done through smaller kind of clips and stories, anecdotal stories. There's another thing we could have done. Could have done anecdotal stories, like, of his youth or whatever, whilst having him in a modern setting. I just don't know. I think it's... I think the... I think Harris almost got lost in, like we said before, trying to make an audience sympathise with a character who we should never sympathise. You should never sympathise with Hannibal Lecter. You know what I mean? Like, even even when you want to, kind of, <laughs> you, you should never do that because he is a fucking vicious serial killing cannibal. Um, and this tries to, like, but look how sad he's like. It's like we're two steps away from the, the Rob Zombie kind of like, like like what they should have just done right is have like so Sherry Moon Zombies Hannibal's mother she's a stripper right uh, <laughs> you know what I mean gotta keep that castle heated yeah Bill size he's abusive stepdad who's trying to mack out on Misha um, you know what I mean it's just fucking, you know what I mean it's just like what we, what are we doing I think that's my I think that's what I keep coming back to is like what we what we like I grew up in a like he goes to France and then lives with his aunt who he clearly wants to fuck um, but once again do we ever think right once again like, let me twist this around a little bit like Mads Mickles I see him that man likes to fuck, right? I, I can tell. I can that man likes to fuck. And like uh, in the context of the Hannibal TV show, that makes sense to me, right? Mm-hmm. But in the context of the in the movies, like I never imagine Hannibal Lecter having sex ever. And that's not because I'm repulsed by it, but he just doesn't none of his crimes are sexually motivated, like at all. So to me, it's just not a thing, but he's like overtly flirty. Like the the whole kind of what this man is, like, like there's not a word for it. The only word is monster, you know, that that little boy died that's like in the snow and his heart died with Misha and what's been left here is nothing but a monster and all the rest. Like It's just so on the fucking nose. Like everything's on the nose. Like, look, look how he learns about cannibalism. Look how he learns about cheeks. Cheeks from a fish. Um, look how he learns about, like, d- how to dissect bodies. And, and look at the same time how he learns about, you know, fucking wearing masks with little bits over them. Which isn't even his thing! It's what Baltimore State fucking thing puts on him so he won't bite anyone. Because he ate that nurse's... Tongue, right? Because he like right out of our face. We never get to see the picture, uh, but we know that his pulse never went beyond whatever it is. Whatever the, a, a sixty, like maybe, I don't know. Whatever a, a normal pulse is, I don't know. I'm <laughs> dead inside, so I can't tell you. Um, it's just a lot. Of, it's just a lot of fucking nonsense. It's just a lot of fluff. It's like it, this is like uh, it's a fantasy, a fantasist idea of what he thinks an audience once it's like it's two steps away from from fan fiction that's really what it is it's tom harris's hannibal lecter <laughs> fan fiction um where he thinks the audience i just i to me i could think of a hundred different ways to introduce the hannibal character and none of them involve you know, a jaunt from Romania through Germany into into France, and then a, an education with his Asian aunt, um, 
and then I'd like a, a vendetta to, like with the police to bring down the 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 Germans that didn't stand trial in the Nuremberg trial because they killed the witnesses. I'd like I, what? Like it's just so fucking. It's so out there. It's like so so out there. And then I remember that like when this movie finishes, like if we're going chronologically speaking, when this movie finishes, he's either. Brian Cox in a white room who has, what, four scenes in that movie? Collective viewing time of less than five minutes. Or he's that Red Dragon movie, which we're not going to spend any huge amount of time talking about because uh, me and Doug Tilly exhausted that. Um, but like, Or, or he's, he's, you know, he's speaking with Will in his study before stabbing them with arrows. It's, you know what I mean? It's, I, I don't... I don't get it. I I would love to. I would love to sit down with Tom Harris and just say, "What were you thinking, buddy? <laughs> like, understand that you were being pushed and pressurized into doing this, but there are easier, more satisfying ways to give us the background to a character that didn't need background." It's just very confusing. And like, even the deaths in this movie are just very confusing. Like, none of it makes sense, like, at all. Even a little bit. Except the, the kind of, the butcher's death. Totally makes sense to me. The, the idea, well, maybe less with the samurai sword. <laughs> Fucking, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, kind of, right, kind of segment. Did you, were you trained in the sa- art of the samurai? Yes, my very first job when I was 16 was I actually had a part-time job that I worked once a week. Uh, in a butcher's and um, yes the first what they don't tell you is before you can actually even work on a counter and slice into uh, beef or chicken uh, you basically have to go through you're, you're dropped off by Bill at the bottom of a set of stairs and then you have to train with Pai Mai um, who takes you through the whole Kill Bill thing and then when you leave you're given a name and then uh, you go straight to uh, you do a tour as an assassin before you then can work in a butcher's it was very grueling there and it was some of the hardest years of my life um, but yeah the only like, way to make authentic Bulgarian brisket it's <laughs> the only yeah. way to do it <laughs> So you have to carry the broth um, in two buckets over your shoulders and not spill a drop. True story. <laughs> mm. I want the knife. <laughs> Please. Um, but he's like... And then that bit makes sense because he has besmirched someone that he cares for greatly, right? And He hates rudeness. That's he hates all rudeness. through the whole thing. He hates he rudeness. He hates, hates rudeness. Like, to the point of... I'm thinking about the Paul Kremler character, the really, really auto character in, in Hannibal. It's the same idea, like that. And like I, I, I'm, I, you know, look, you've you've made a mockery of this woman that I, like, have respect for or care for, um, and as a result, this is what happens for your rudeness. I, so that to me plays okay, but then the, you know, the fucking all the other shit just doesn't. <laughs> like even a little bit, even if you're out, <laughs> even if you're out for revenge against these people and then he's just he's too he's too one-linery as well which I just don't like I don't, I don't like any of that I, I really don't I, like I said before Anthony Hopkins does a great performance in Silence of the Lambs but it's on the cusp of being camp and that's why it kind of works in that movie but um, Brian Cox 
I, I'm going to be one of these guys that like oh, he just fucking likes it because he's a like cinephile, you know. But I love like the the briefness we have. Like like Brian Cox as Hannibal Lecter in Manhunter seems like a viciously deadly man. Mentally, maybe not physically, but mentally, <laughs> he, he comes across as someone who is so so unhinged, but so on top of his shit, it's terrifying. Like just, just like, like a, and that to me, that's that's Hannibal Lecter. Like Hannibal, Lecter, he's the psychiatrist who managed to get people to cut bits off their face. The psychiatrist who managed to get like patients to kill each other. He's that dude. And I'm looking at this fucking young whippersnapper here, who has the thing as well. I mean, the thing we're not touching on is the he has the. I don't know what they call it medically, but it has that mark. It's almost like the Joker. Um, he would have made a great Joker, okay. actually, this kid. Uh, where there appears to be an indentation, almost like a dimple, in one side of his face over his cheek, which isn't there, like in any of the other movies. So why is he cast here? Because that's like, every time he's like, I'm like, that doesn't look like Hannibal, doesn't look like Hannibal, doesn't look like Hannibal. It's just weird. The only I thing know. I could think of is I think throughout the books, they talk about, Hannibal, but this is after he's been caught and yeah. released. He starts having facial reconstructive surgery to go from border to border. But he, does, he doesn't yeah. doesn't do that before he gets caught. He does not got no reason to do it before. But am I not right in saying Hannibal Lecter has an extra finger as well? Yes. Yeah. Which like why is that not here? You know what I mean? If we're if we're going if 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 this is Tom Harris, right? <laughs> This is fucking Tom all the wrongs that he forgot about. Yeah, all the filling in the backstory. Where's the extra finger, Tom Harris? Fucking cop it, motherfucker, right? <laughs> fucking give me a scene where I'm dressed as a fucking samurai and you won't give me that extra finger? What the fuck are we doing here? Um, yeah, I just... I throwing a scene where he drops the sword and tries to catch it by the blade. <laughs> or literally, but there we go. You could have that like a bit where he amputates the finger off. Because he wants to like fit in more. That could have been a scene in the fucking orphanage, or something to add to his truck. No, 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 no. Just not there. Not there. Or sewing on a finger. He, yeah. He saved. He found Misha's finger in the snow. Yeah. And why does and... he have to come from royalty? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because he's that fucking cool. Yeah, like, but like people. It's Thomas Harris's love letter. <laughs> it's like you are my prince. He's the Romanian Batman. <laughs> oh fuck! Automatically well, a more interesting movie. A hundred percent. Hundred percent. All right. Oh, wait, there's. I, I, I cannot stress this enough. Almost every choice in this movie upsets me. Like, I think it's. <laughs> I just think it's just inherently dumb. I'd like just really, 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 really dumb, and not in a like in a kind of harmless way. Just an, an annoyingly tactful, placed, specifically dumb way, just designed to give me a fucking aneurysm before I turn fifty. Um, <laughs> fuck this movie, man. Honestly, I hate it. Uh, right, let's let's continue. The good times are rolling here, uh, Dern. Um, <laughs> this should be an easy one. So, question number three is kind of morphed as the series has went on. You get the most difficult one 
in a lot of respects because it's it's about the handling of the Hannibal character. But because your movie here is technically the preceding movie, even though it comes afterwards, you're in a bit of a quandary here because it is... How well does this Hannibal tie into the Hannibal we would meet in, like, A Silence of the Lambs or A Red Dragon? Moving Brian Cox out of the, the equation here. How well does this Hannibal tie into that, then? Because that's how you should really judge it as a prequel. Does it tie in well at all? Um, in In those little ways that it points out the what the, how long do they focus on the pig or the boar at the beginning of the movie <laughs> yeah if we're yeah if this is the stepping stone if this is the cornerstone of the franchise yeah if this if this everyone is else the, did yeah. terribly yeah if this is if this is the 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 ground zero for the Hannibal Lecter character which is what it's saying it is how well do the and the retcon in this year? How well does this interpretation of Hannibal Lecter make sense against the Hannibal Lecter that is a known quantity through essentially three films set after this time period? Not not very well. No, it doesn't at all. <laughs> like like not at all. Like in any way. She, I was thinking about the more I thought about this, the more I thought. It actually completely misses the mark. Like, out with giving a justification for his cannibalism, it doesn't really, doesn't gel up at all. There's no signs of, like, this superior keen intellect out with the fact that he does appear to be quite intelligent, resourceful, and he's studying, like, the youngest uh, student admitted to this medical... Um, his medical college but there's no there's no like real in-depth tete-a-tete with him and anyone else to be honest there's him being kind of teeny and angsty and disrespectful to his elders with the police um but like out with that nothing we don't see him cook although we hear that he can he makes a bruschetta from the guy's cheeks um and we see him charcoal bite. drawings i guess he did does he does some he does he's, yeah yeah i suppose they did i that's a good point actually i suppose he does that he does that so we get uh an indication that he's got an aptitude for drawing which is what i needed to know <laughs> how did he learn how to... long he's been good at drawing <laughs> it's just like I think that's the thing. Like, it, it works two ways. Like the, the 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 idea of the Hannibal character is so vacant that you could put anything into it. But I think they don't put anything into it in this movie at all. This comes across as like a series of unfortunate events. <laughs> I guess he didn't run around <laughs> talking about how much he likes fava beans. Well, yeah, well, like he's, he, let's, let's be honest. I mean, you keep that for polite company. You don't just, like, spring that on anyone. <laughs> but, yeah, it's... Um, I'm, I'm with you. I think it, it, it does a terrible job of enlightening, uh, expanding, or even clarifying any of the Hannibal mythology, any of the Hannibal tropes. 
And as a result of that, you like if you're judging it on that level, which is why you would do a prequel to a character, it fails. Like it's an abject failure on that. So yeah, I agree with you, Darren. You've got I've said this before, you're a smart one. I'm not just saying that because you agree with me. Um We have to take a position here. You know what that position is. You either have to encourage people to check this movie out or dissuade them by picking a scene from the movie to uh, back up your stance. Are you recommending Hannibal Rising? Never to anybody. And is there a scene in this movie that you would say, this is why you shouldn't watch it? Out with the whole movie. (laughs) Yeah, I would say a super cut of all the little (laughs) things. Um... Yeah, I. Uh, yeah, I, I. If the person has never seen any of the Hannibal movies, I would just randomly play five, ten minutes of the movie. Mm. Uh, in in my see, I picked it random. Are you yeah. having fun? Yeah. <laughs> Do you see? Do you see? <laughs> this is the movie taking forever. Do you see? I do want to see the great beauty of Hannibal Rising. <laughs> yes, you do see. Um, yeah, like, I would never in a million years recommend. I am hoping, I am hopeful. This is the last time I ever have to set my eyes on this. This bummed me out today watching it. Really, just <laughs> genuinely is terrible. The scene I would use, I've already mentioned it. Like, the fact that they have to put the mask, the fact that he sits with the samurai mask that he puts over his face and the camera pans up to this big great reveal of see one day he'll be wearing a mask that looks like this that isn't this is one of the greatest fuck you moments in cinema it's just it's so this it's, it's the it's the bit that sums up exactly how much of a cynical cash grab this movie is in one shot um, and for that reason I would never ever ever recommend that anyone should ever fucking watch it everyone that was involved with this should feel ashamed with themselves but doubly more so Tom Harris um, I hope that paycheck was fucking good buddy because this movie fucking sucked um, anyway anyway let's move away from that we have to give it a grade now I am sitting at the moment my lowest grade I've given is Red Dragon and I think I gave that did I give it was either a one and a half or a two um or was that a two and a half? I can't remember. It was, it was somewhere in there. It didn't get a one. I know it didn't get a one, but this movie's getting a one. I hate this movie. Like, I, I, yeah. This is a one out of five. Hate this movie. Never want to watch it again. Dern, one has hated it. Two has didn't like it. Three's liked it. Four is really liked it. Don't know why I'm going to this high. Five has loved it. What are you giving Hannibal Rising? Oh, it it's begrudgingly gets a one. Because nice. I can't do 0.75. No, you can't. You can give it a point five if you want, but I don't know what that means. <laughs> I mean, it's a movie. It's a whole movie. Yeah, it gets a, it gets a one. Yeah, it's well. This one's it's well shot. The score's good, and there's a couple of performances I like. But it's a two hour and one minute fucking dry fucking dick rub um, with a zipper, uh, where it's just pain. You want to you want to be in it and you want to think this is good, but it's just painful to get through, um, and it, it ages you and it doesn't finish you. Uh, so fuck this movie. Um, yeah, there we are. That's where we've ended up. One, uh, this is the worst one. This is the worst one. Yeah, but by, by far, I can take 
even how much I hate how Red Dragon gets things wrong, I can take that over this. I, I just can't. I just can't do this. There's almost a part of me where I get to the point where I'm like, as much as I love the movies, I would just tell people to watch the TV show. Because I genuinely think the TV show is like one of the best TV shows that's ever been fucking made. Um, and I would point people in that direction. Uh, Dern, you are a busy guy. You've got podcasts out there that people can listen to. And you have time to do them now that you're not in summer series anymore. So um, <laughs> where can people check out your stuff? Primarily, you can find me at the Psychosemantic Podcast or the Psychosemantic Cast. You can look up either. You find me most places. Except for on Twitter, it is at Political Movies because some dickhead is squatting on Psychosemantic <laughs> uh, as they do, and they're not doing a fucking thing with it. No, they and, always do. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, Psychosemantic.org if you're looking for the website. Um Let's see, psychosemantic, you know, all the places you listen to podcasts. Uh, if you want my visual representations of things, that's well, Instagram and Twitter mm -hmm. for the most part. And uh, there's also the VD Clinic podcast, VD Clinic Pod, because you have to add pod or you get questions that you're not really sure how to answer, <laughs> or at least I'm not. <laughs> and that one's been on a bit of a hiatus, but it still exists. I've had some people asking me, but my co-host over there, Vanessa, has just been very busy and yeah. things like that. So yeah. There's a rich keeping... back catalog, though. You've got tons of shows. Oh, some with some wonderful guests named Duncan McLeish <laughs> on quite a few of both shows. And yeah. you and I need to do another psychosemantic sometimes. So. Oh, God, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, uh, the way I see it in my head now, I've got this thing, this is what we're going to do, right? I'll, I'll just, I'll, we'll just put it out here. Uh, as I think, like, we, we record, like, either late in the year, like, as in, like, December or a January, and we do the doubler again, and then that gives you two episodes, and that keeps you going throughout the year. There we go. So we'll find something. We'll no doubt find something, and then we'll get that locked in, and that allows me the opportunity to to, to cut loose with my hard-hitting political rhetoric, which I know your listeners love. <laughs> they do. I, I tell you, man, every time on the show, I get a, a bump in downloads. I get a us in on you know uh, a lot of my listeners are american and <laughs> like you do not want to know what's happening over here <laughs> or we don't know shit about what goes on over yeah. there and we're enraptured yeah like enraptured. They, like uh, I, I would love to i would love to let you know but the people over here that are responsible for this country don't know what's happening over here so <laughs> and that's the problem um Ladies and gentlemen, uh, please go out check out Darren's stuff and uh, I'm going to take my final break in this episode. When I come back, I'm closing out the show and I'm doing it right after this. You're listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. you're listening to the podcast under the stairs this has been episode 410 the final installment of our Hannibal Lecter Russian Roulette franchise retro a big thanks to all my guests who join me now I know what you're wanting you're wanting the official scoring from best to worst from me for the franchise at number one is Silence of the Lambs at number two is Manhunter at number three yeah you guessed it 
it's going to be Hannibal. At number four, it is Red Dragon. And at number five, because it fucking sucks, it is a little bit of that Hannibal rising. So yeah, that is us done. Thank you to all the guest hosts that joined me on this Russian Roulette franchise retro. As I said at the start of this episode, the next one will be Bad Ben, and I can't imagine high grades going out at all across that entire series. Yay! There's a multitude of ways to check out podcasts on this day, so if you're listening to us right now, subscribe. That way you get the shows as and when they drop and access to the entire back catalogue of Teapots content. You can also subscribe to our sister feed, the Teapots Collective, and you get shows like Where to Begin With, Opera Omnia, Doing the Nasty, and Chronicle as well. Subscribing to both those feeds, best way to support what I do under the stairs. Alternatively, visit our website, tputzcast.com. Links to all the shows are there, as well as a link to Jaws of Shite, another regrettable outburst, a Busby's banter entertainment podcast, exclusively available on tputzcast.com. If you're on the Facebooks and you want to interact with me over there, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash tputzcast gets you the podcast under the stairs. Tputz Collective can be reached at facebook.com forward slash Teapots cast. And then lastly, Jaws of Shite, which can be reached at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash a regrettable pod. If you're too cool for school and Facebook and would much rather interact with myself and the bands on what I've dubbed the twin prongs of social media sexiness, that's the Instas and the Twitters, even though Twitter is now in the hands of a fucking absolute raging madman. That'll be interesting to see how long that takes that platform before it implodes. Um, yeah, that's Musk we're talking about. He's a, he's a Bond supervillain come to life. It's going to be incredible and I'm going to sit back and warm my marshmallows over the dumpster fire that platform's going to become. But yeah, there we go. That's a, that's, that's a speech for a different show. Anyway, ladies and gents, you can reach out and interact with us over there at Teapot's Cast for both. The podcast Under the Stairs will be winging its way back to you tomorrow as we tackle all eight episodes of the Guillermo del Toro produced Netflix series Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities. We have heavy hitters galore in front of and behind the camera and a ton of things to talk about in a series that I've watched six episodes thus far of and I've not seen a bad episode. It's been consistent to excellent across the whole thing which just makes me happy and hopefully the Netflix bots out there will uh, see how happy I am and give us more. So that is the next time I'll be speaking to you tomorrow. It's movies 25 through 28 of my 31 of October. And with all that said, ladies and gents, that is us done for another episode. Pat ourselves on the back. You did real fucking good. This is Duncan McLeish saying wherever you are, what the time zone is and whatever you're up to in this big bad world of ours, please take care of yourselves out there. Duncan McLeish from Podcast Under the Stairs. Ladies and gentlemen, I... I'm signing off.